business is my my passion when people are like what are your hobbies I'm like kind of business is my hobby mm. that actually is my thing um however I was talking to my mum about it because my family are all very very driven by business so my my brothers and my parents like when we're together we talk about business we have to go on like we'll go on a walk or something and then somebody will go guys should we stop talking about business it's Sunday and then we all just walk in silence for a bit while somebody thinks of something else to talk about <laughs> I'm Chris O'Hare your quick win CEO and as the CEO I've run businesses founded startups consultant for others and even won awards but in this show we'll be talking to entrepreneurs and experts to help you understand the key concepts for your business along with three quick wins that you can take away and apply to your business today. Every week, we'll be finding out about the entrepreneur themselves and diving into a different but important topic. And as an entrepreneur, do you not stop talking about business? And if you change the topic away from business, do you get lost for words? Well, me too. And I found out this week's guest, Hannah Power, does this also. And as you'll hear, Hannah is an enthusiastic entrepreneur who founded personal branding agency, Powerful Leaders. And in this episode, we talk about what is a personal brand, how to maximize your personal brand online, why Hannah hates Instagram, and how to work out which social media platform you should focus on. I learned a lot of great advice from Hannah, and I thoroughly enjoyed recording this episode. Here we go. Hannah Power. Thanks for coming on this show. Hannah, firstly, tell me the last thing that you read or watched that left an impression on you. It could be anything. It could be a Netflix series, a funny video, or a book you read, or even a quote that you've heard. So it's a quick quote it, that I heard when I was doing a little bit of research around anxiety and the mind, all of these things, which is that the mind um, is designed to keep us alive. Not uh, The brain is designed to keep us alive, not to keep us happy. And actually it's our job to kind of manage the way that our minds have kind of evolved um, so that we can actually be happy and not sit in that state of like fight or flight, which is what our brains want us to be in from this chaotic world that we're in. Um, and that's why our brains, we can all experience anxiety and all of these things because they're not designed to make us happy. They're designed to keep us alive and they think they're doing the right thing, but actually the more compassion that you can show to your mind and your body of Thank you for doing. Thank you for trying to keep me alive. I am alive. Actually, I'm fine. I don't need to be in that state of like panic or fight or flight. Um, this is my life. Um, the like the happier life you can lead. That's really interesting. I haven't actually heard that before, and that's actually going to stick with me. Uh, good, I did, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. I, I have heard the uh, the chimp mind, um, where there's two parts of the brain. So you got the, the the middle part of the brain, and then you got the kind of the outer part of the brain yeah. the outer part is our consciousness and we're always battling the inner part of our brain mm -hmm. but that's even simpler which I, I love that so I'm, I'm definitely going to come back to where did you hear that I'm going to put you on the spot now I actually, I actually heard it as in I didn't I was like I was having a you know you just have those panic I don't know if you do these but I do these panic googles when I'm feeling stressed about is it normal to feel x and it was just came up on an article um, and since then I've just dug more into it I think I'm quite interested in this concept of anxiety um, because I think it's something that everyone experiences, but then we don't want to necessarily diagnose it because it's classed as a mental health condition. It's like, does that mean I've got a mental illness because I've got anxiety when actually it's a part of day-to-day -day life to experience bouts of anxiety. Um, so I'm quite interested in this concept that we're all, we all experience this thing, but it's now been labeled as this bigger thing, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I, I, I find it, I, I find it interesting. So um, I don't exactly know where it's from, but I, the science behind the way that our minds are trying to process this world that we live in, we're not necessarily evolved to handle this much information, this speed, this much technology. Um, it's why everyone's having to go on walks all the time in nature, because they're trying to combat the fact that we're not really built for this world. So um, I learned a lot from my brother, who's a, who does a psychologist guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting concept to have that awareness that your mind is trying and your body is trying to do the right thing by making you feel those panicked feelings. If you, if you ever experience them, I don't know if you do. So now we're trying to treat it with compassion and go, I get it in my tummy here. And I go, oh, thank you. That's really nice of you to show up, but I don't need you today. <laughs> well, that's a really nice way of putting it as well. And I've always, of course, everyone has anxiety, including me. Um, so what I do is I, I looked for my uh, triggers 
So I was always looking at triggers and I, th- I found that caffeine was a big trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't concentrate when I had too much caffeine going on. So n- the only way I could control that was basically limit the, the, the drinks that had a lot of caffeine in them and kind of ease them back into to my diet in, in a controlled manner instead of just being completely consumed by them. Yeah. Um, so, so swapping coffee out for green tea was the biggest one for me. Um, and now I've, I've found that I'm not become all consumed with, with needing caffeine. I can kind of add it when I need to add it. And I heard a gamer, um, a streamer once say, I don't use caffeine all the time because what it does, it blunts my response to need when I need caffeine, when I need the effects of caffeine, I, 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 I use it for that purpose and that purpose alone. And therefore I have micro dosing of caffeine. Which yeah. I really liked. I really like yeah. that concept of microdosing, and I think in general that's what most people should be doing. It's everything is in moderation, right? Yeah. But the other thing I found with um, anxiety is that it's a bit like um, uh, alcoholism, um, and in, in terms of needing needing something to keep you feeling normal, but also in terms of like everyone seems to have they have alcohol and and anxiety is one of these these kind of topics that you have a you don't want to talk about it but you might have a problem and it kind of gets if you do say you've got it you, it gets wrapped up in this bigger bigger mental health problem where you know alcoholism is more like a um you know you've got another type of issue mm-hmm. and so I've always seen it that way. And when I kind of compare the two, I can see a lot of parallels with it. You know, everyone has a drink, everyone has anxiety, but it's like the extremes of that. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I think I think a lot of this stuff needs to be normalized. So I think like anxiety is a is a normal thing to experience in in bouts. You know, there's different levels of it, right? It's got different severities. Sometimes it can be totally dehabilitating. Sometimes it can just be a little niggle. I think the alcohol thing, I actually don't drink. I stopped drinking nearly three years ago and um, I needed to stop drinking. I was drinking too much and I wasn't really in control of the amount I was drinking. I wasn't drinking every day, but when I would drink, I would drink to excess. And what I re- researched as I, what I learned as I researched, I need, I always need to research things to work them out. You know, alcohol is an addictive substance. So when you get addicted to it, it shouldn't, it's not a surprise or a weakness. It's not like, when someone gets addicted to smoking, no one is surprised that that person is now addicted to smoking. But for some reason, when someone gets addicted to alcohol, it's this whole big thing. Oh my gosh, look what's happened. It's an addictive substance. The brain is going to get addicted to it because it's addictive, no difference than drugs or smoking. Um, So if we normalize the fact that it's very normal to get addicted to alcohol, um, it's not then a whole big thing if you need to to give it up or you need to quit, quit it. Um, and I think the more that we can normalize these things and share, like, you know, most, a lot of people go through times of having a problem with alcohol, drinking to excess, drinking more than they should, whatever. Um, it's not a sign of a, a whole, your whole life's coming to an end. You have to label yourself as an alcoholic for the rest of your life and all of these things. I think we just can normalize these things as we're only humans and it's an addictive substance. Just like anxiety is something that we're all going to experience because we all live in a crazy world. So I always try to talk about these things quite openly, sometimes in a way that I think makes some people feel quite uncomfortable, but I don't mean to. Um, I don't have an embarrassment that I had a drinking problem. I think it's quite normal. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite quite funny, isn't it? Because some people respond to that in different ways. So some people, if you told people that you have given up drinking, they would say you had a problem, right? And and they'll judge you. But but there's there's levels of problem, right? So. And, and this is where, you know, they immediately go, right, this is, this is, you're, you're, you were the most extreme where you were drinking whiskey when you woke up and, and that kind of thing. Whereas clearly that wasn't an issue. You just, you were just probably addicted to needing it. You just felt like you needed it all the time. And that, that, that's enough, right? Where you would have a glass of wine every single day. And that's very common. Um, and so, and the only way you kind of extract yourself away from it is, is obviously to, to give it up completely. Um, but I completely agree. Uh, I don't, I only drink socially. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have that need to, to drink on, um, on a regular basis. So I, when I drink, it's usually, I have this association with friends, it's just constantly that that's, Oh, it's for friends. 
So therefore I don't do it. And that's my control mechanism. Mm. So, so I think everyone just needs control mechanisms around the, the certain behaviors and things they do, yeah. but great. That was a really interesting topic. So thanks for um, bringing yeah, that out. <laughs> no, it's really important to kind of understand you. And I think that's what this first question really brings out of people. Um, but in your own words, give me an understanding of what it is that you do and, and kind of what your business does as a whole. Cool. So uh, I work with leaders to build their personal brands and the businesses which sit behind them. So when I say leaders, I don't necessarily mean business leaders or leaders of big companies, anybody who's got a message to share. We all have something inside of us that we care deeply about. Sometimes we discover it young, sometimes we don't discover it until we're older, but we all have something unique to say and to bring and to do in the world. And myself and my business powerful leaders is all about working with people to discover what that is or if they've already discovered it to, to bring it out through the magic of the internet right through creating content through launching websites through podcasting whatever that might be and building businesses then that, that sit behind that and enable them to amplify that message to the world it's um it's very concise everything you, you kind of do and i like the fact that it's you're focusing a lot on the online side of it. So we'll dive into that a bit later. Um, but what kind of drives you as an entrepreneur then? What kind of gets you out, out of bed in the morning that you say, if you had a really rough day the day before, the thing that would just say, do you know what? I'm going to get out of bed. This is the thing that I've got to crack on with. What is that thing? I think it has changed over the years. I think that it's it's yeah I would say at the beginning it was I was really driven by when I first became an entrepreneur I was very driven by um I guess lifestyle and wanting to create some sort of like freedom life where you don't um you have a boss you don't have to answer to people whatever it might be um and you're unable to be in your flow of where you are at your best so I think I'd had jobs before where I hadn't necessarily been at my best and done the stuff that I was the best at I think you quickly learn when you when you launch a business and when you run a business that actually the beginning stages of building a startup is the opposite of both of those things that I just said, because actually you have very little freedom and very little. Um, I mean, you do have freedom, obviously, of your time and things like that. But if you're going to build something from scratch, it's like I think of it like a little baby, like the baby's just been born, you know, and the baby's just been born. You have to hold it all the time. Can't do anything without you. It's completely dependent on you. So it's not exactly the most freedom creating thing. So I think at the beginning, I was motivated by the very thing that was the opposite of what actually happened when I started. Um, and also you have to do a lot of the things that you're, you're not necessarily the best at, you know, that you're not necessarily in flow of, um, in your flow state, because you've got to learn all these various things about business. Um, it then, I guess, developed into a real excitement and love. And I think that's what I, I have now of the possibility of what being an entrepreneur can bring you know we have the ability now we've not we've not had this for that long where anybody can start a business and can do whatever they want because of the power of the internet because of the low access um that you know the low barriers to entry of anyone can create a social media profile anyone can build an app anyone can do whatever they want um i think that really motivates me that the the art of the possible the opportunity of, of what's out there i think it's really exciting um my team are amazing and my clients, I think they really motivate me. But I think the thing that drives me the most is the curiosity of what my potential might be. Um, and, you know, we all have massive, you know, infinite potential that's inside of us. And we don't necessarily always dig into that and let it out into the world. You know, we have fear, we, whatever the reasons are, I think I'm always really curious every single day of what can I achieve? What is my potential? How, how many people could I serve? How many people could I help? How much could I actually do in the world? So I guess the thing that drives me is how much can I actually do? How much is possible? You know, we see here, you hear, hear stories all the time of entrepreneurs that have come from nothing and achieved this or whatever the story is. Um, and I guess I'm just always really curious on what my story might look like and how many people I might be able to support or inspire along the way. So I think that's probably my core motive. So would you say there's a, a fear of missing out there as well, that if you didn't have the time to kind of explore this side of you, that when you get to a, 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 an age point where you feel like you couldn't go back on this, that you haven't experimented, you haven't discovered this opportunity to, to find your true potential? 
Would you say there's a bit of that there too? Um, potentially. However, I definitely think that my clients are of such different ages. I think you can actually do whatever you want whenever you want. So I don't necessarily think like, I know people say, oh, your 20s are for experimenting and all these things, but plenty of people make it when they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, I don't think there's 30s. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's like fear of missing out. I think it's just a general excitement of, I don't have anything else that I need to worry about at this stage in terms of, I have obviously friends and family, I don't have kids or anything. So I guess for me, like I find it really fun. Like anyone who hangs out with me, like they always say, can we stop talking about business now, Hannah? Like I get it. I think for me, I just find it really, really fun. And the bigger the business gets and the more that we do, the more fun it gets. So I guess, and, and I'm, I'm really motivated by fun and I'm not like ashamed to admit that I like having fun in my life. I want my work to be fun. I want every day to be fun. Um, and I find business really, really fun. Um, so do my team. That's why we all just like geek out on stuff together. So I think it's potential. I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's, I don't know what, what else, what else is there, but getting up and getting on with it. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I love the fact that you say you love to talk about business because I actually find it quite awkward when the conversation veers away from business because I'm so all consumed by everything that I'm doing in terms of my work, in terms of the, the direction of I'm going, in terms of the, uh, the future of business in general. So I'm always constantly thinking and, and, and talking about it. And so my partners, um, you know, uh, in the past would say you're just all consumed by it and actually your head is always somewhere else in fact I heard a podcast um Stephen Bartlett I don't know if you know Stephen Bartlett yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. yeah he does a great podcast Secret Diary CEO and he he basically says like his partners got so annoyed with him because his head was always somewhere else and it was usually to do with business and he was, he was just so all consumed by it and so that if you didn't find a life partner that could understand that and could really engage with that part of your brain you would probably have issues um in the relationship you would and i've actually spoken about this a lot with my mom because my parents have always worked together so uh, well most of my life they started working together and i think i was about five years old five six years old i do agree like i think it's really important to have a partner that gets you because i think my business is my my passion when people are like what are your hobbies i'm like kind of business is my hobby mm. that actually is my thing um however i was talking to my mum about it because my family are all very very driven by business so my my brothers and my parents like when we're together we talk about business we have to go on like we'll go on a walk or something and then somebody will go guys should we stop talking about business it's sunday and then we all just walk in silence for a bit while somebody thinks of something else to talk about <laughs> i actually i actually think with my I'm single at the moment but I actually have spoken about it with mum and sometimes we think maybe because I spend so much time talking about business with my direct family and with the team even my brother's girlfriend I she was my first hire a year ago and she's literally like the best person in the whole world you know she's like a whole the whole part of the business which I love the most even when I'm with her we talk about business so and my a lot of my cousins are entrepreneurial as well so actually i think maybe i should have a boyfriend who doesn't talk about business all the time because otherwise i literally cannot switch off so um but i think it's important to have somebody who yeah that you can talk about this stuff with but i also think turning your brain off is really really important because i actually think you get a lot of the clarity when you haven't been thinking about something and i struggle with that a lot of the time of turning it off i'm not a workaholic i don't sit at my desk all the time I'm I like to turn my computer off at 6 p.m. But my ideas, it's the idea engine that I can't turn off. And sometimes I think, actually, if I turn it off for like a weekend, on Monday, I'm like so much better. So I don't know if I was with a partner who I constantly yapped about business with all weekend. I don't know if I would ever turn off. So I think there's a there's there's a difference between having a partner that you you work with and having a partner that has a similar interest in business. And I think yeah. I think that's really important. Um, so for me, I, I think that's really crucial for me in, in terms of my relationships is yeah. that they they understand what I'm saying and, and they can understand the Absolutely. pains, and the pains and, and, and the trials and tribulations along the process. Because not every day is a good day when you own a business, right? Um, and, and, you know, I agree. And the empathy, I think, is important because if, if it, it is your baby. Mm. So, um, well, it is my baby. So I think the empathy of when things are tough, I think, yeah, you're right. It's very important. And that, that's probably one of the, the toughest parts of a relationship is knowing, you know, why you can't turn off 
that's really, you know, some, some days you just can't turn off and because you've got a deadline or you've got something you need to do and things have just not gone, gone well, but yeah. Okay. Uh, that was a, that was another deep topic. And uh, <laughs> clearly this is what we do, Hannah. We, we, we dive into a topic and we yeah. go to the depths of it. So great. So let's talk about the actual topic itself. Um, and what is your definition of, of personal branding? How would you define it? To me, personal branding is about standing for something and being a leader in a space. Uh, that to me, that's what personal branding is. So it's the authority. It's yeah, it's an authority. It's it's, but not in a way of it being about you. It's about leading an audience. It's about sharing something and building a following of people who also believe what you believe and want to hear more about what you say and can learn or be inspired by what you're saying. So I, I, I in my head, I dumbed it down to this. It was kind of like your expertise, your experience, your skill set, whereas, you know, a business is more about a job that you do or a task that you do, right? So, and also it's how you show your personality to the outside world as well, which I think is quite cr crucial for me. Um, people buy off people, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is all of those things. It is what you do, it is your job, it is your expertise. It is all of those things. For me, um, I always saw it, as being more than that. I think it has more potential of being more than that. I mean, I don't actually love the term personal branding um, because I think it is synonymous with self-promotion and CVs and all these things. For me, the way that personal branding has evolved over the last few years and has particularly really taken a big shift from 2020 onwards is that people see it as an opportunity to have an impact on the world by being themselves. Yeah. Like that. And that to me is what I find really exciting about it. Just people as they are, don't need to be famous, don't need millions of followers. You can just have something to say. And if people want to listen, they can listen. You know, we all have the magic follow and unfollow button um, and connecting and building a, a, a tribe around you, a, a group of people who, you know, yeah. you all, all have stuff to say. For me, it's not about being famous. It's not about being an influencer, yes, you might become an influencer, you might become a thought leader, you might become all of these things, but actually it's just about having real clarity on what you can offer the world. I understand that. And I, I was waiting for you to say tribe. Um, that, that's such a that word as well, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a um, trending term at the moment and where people have gone, uh, where the beginning of the internet was like, wow, let's, let's broadcast to everyone. And now everyone's going, let's broadcast to a certain subset section of society and find the people that you connect with. Uh, okay. If you don't like the word tribe, what, what would you say? Is it a group? Is it, a, uh, is it a mindset? What, what would you say in, in opposite to tribe? Well, I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess I don't necessarily like the word because as you said, it's quite overused. I try to not use words, which I think have already got connotations in other ways. I mean, I think it's about a, an audience, a community, a group, uh, whatever. I, I, it's not, the, it's not the, the meaning behind the word. I think it's just the actual word. I feel like I've overheard it. Um, I think it's just people, your people. Your people. Yeah, I think. I like that. I like that. Your people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing, isn't it, really? We're just like, you just go through life. You try and find your, more, your people, your person. That's when you're looking like we're talking about relationships earlier, you're trying to find your person. You try, you go to school, you try and find your people, you go through life. I think this is just about trying to find your people, the place that you feel that you that you fit. And somebody who's building a personal brand is often somebody who might lead those people. Um, and they might in a group, you might have, you know, it's not like there would be one leader, it'd be one leader around a certain thing. So for example, if I look at myself and my brothers we're all the same tribe. We're very, very similar people. We believe the similar stuff. We see the world in a similar way, but I wouldn't say I lead, I lead, I would say I lead in a certain field, right? I would be the person they would go to around looking at personal branding and all of that stuff. But then TJ would be around mental health and also be about future of work. They would then lead those spaces. So it's not about one leader. It's about multiple people in a group learning and sharing and exchanging with each other. And I think that's what a personal brand is just a person 
offering the world something amongst all the other people offering the world stuff. And when I say offering, I don't mean selling them stuff. I just mean points of view, opinions, lead teaching. Like you asked me that question at the beginning, right? You said, what's something interesting that you have heard of recently? I said that thing, you hadn't heard it. Now that's a little nugget in your head. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just, that's what the world's all about, sharing information and helping us all to rise together. That's nice. It's Funnily enough, I had this conversation on Clubhouse earlier. So I have a, a Clubhouse room um, called the Not So Serious Business Club. And the reason why I set that up is because I found Clubhouse too serious. And I didn't want to start my day off with people lecturing me about business. It's not what I needed. I needed the energy that uplift. I needed to find people with, with my vibe and my, um, my energy, right? And so what's happened is I'm having, we've built this group of people who literally I cry with laughter every single morning and you just wouldn't get that normally. And it's just really interesting. So as your people, that's kind of the first thing that came to mind. And I wouldn't call them a tribe. I would call them something different. Your people suits that. And that's why I think I have these, you know, build your tribe, build your community. Like I, I, I'm sure I, I use these terms and I, and I do believe in it. I think it's important to, I think for me, what I really am not into is the ego side of business, of branding, of, you know, people think, oh, personal branding, self-promotion, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's not about, it's not really about you. It's just about being a person and amongst a load of other people. And I think that the ego side of these things can often take over. The internet can bring out the ego side in all of us, can't it? That sort of darkness of things and followers and likes and money and all that person's earning more than me. And why did I not do that? And oh God, should I be doing that? And I think I just try to lean on the opposite side of that, I think. So it's almost like I almost believe the opposite of what my whole industry is all about, because obviously I do personal branding. That is what I do. I help people to clarify what they offer the world and help them to bring it in a commercial way, which also brings a positive impact, right? That is the definition of personal branding. But I guess the way that I see the world is slightly different. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, actually. No, I, I like it. I think it does make sense. It's, it's almost counterintuitive um, to what you're doing. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's quite important that you stay, stay grounded and that you're humble in, in the process. I'll give you another example. So I've, I've seen people, um, I've been on Clubhouse probably a what, I don't know, six to eight weeks, something like that. And I've seen people go from no followers, very humble people to some people I don't even recognize now who have, you know, 5,000 followers or whatever on Clubhouse. I find that very troubling because of the way they lecture people. And, and, it, and they would say, oh, we've got confidence. But actually the way they come across isn't that. And I find that very troubling. So mm. I see exactly what you're saying. And this is really interesting, actually, this topic, because yesterday I saw a tweet. I'm going to get it on my phone. So I don't think I'm being rude because I thought it was really, really good. Um, which was somebody shared the um, the sales, the five year sales forecast or the um, sales journey of Kylie Cosmetics. Do you know Kylie Cosmetics? Yeah. Run mm. by Kylie Jenner. Yeah? yeah. You know who that is? I, I do. Yeah. Unfortunately, so some people don't. Some people don't. Anyway, and it shows the custom, it shows the sales peaking um, and then in 2016 and then really tailing off over the last sort of five years since then. And somebody shared this and they've said, Kylie Jenner's problem is that she built her brand on aspiration and now relatability is the most important trait. And I think that really excited me because that's what I believe. Before we have had an influencer world, a personal branding world, an internet world of look at me, look how fabulous I am, buy my stuff because I'm fabulous. Now, we don't want that anymore. First of all, we don't believe it. We are so skeptical. You know, we, the intelligent ones among us don't believe if you buy an online course for 997, you're going to be a millionaire in five minutes. We know that's not true. Um, you sure? We know, we, know uh, that people, <laughs> we know that people can rent 
silly things and buy whatever to make themselves look a certain way. And actually, this is why I think that, you know, what powerful leaders believe is all about micro movements. It's lots of mini people, not famous people, mini people um, who are relatable and real and genuinely care and share their vulnerabilities. And I think seeing that, obviously, I don't wish bad on what Kylie did is amazing, right? Was she achieving billionaire status or whatever ended up happening or that all got a bit messed up, didn't it? But um, I think seeing that, and seeing that post of, you know, we want real people, the rise of this, this rise and fall of this be like me. And now everyone's going, nope, I have to go off Instagram because it messes with my mental health and I can't follow this person because it makes me feel bad. This is not what the internet was intended to be for. These platforms are social networks designed to connect us to each other, not to amplify certain people for all of the things which we then question about ourselves. And I think we're seeing a movement now away from that into just lots of people doing their stuff, sharing what they think. Some people agree, we'll help each other out. Let's do more of that. A little bit more of how the internet probably was about 20 years ago before we peaked in this crazy, crazy world, which made a lot of people millionaires and billionaires. And that's great for them. But I don't think what came with it was right. And I think seeing that shift back is what really excites me. Do you think it's very much like TV shows, right? Where these stars of TV shows, when TV was more of a thing, and well, I mean, it's still a thing, but it was more of a celebrity. You you see them on TV and they became idolized. Mm. And actually people, maybe our generations um, are moving away from that. Uh, we're not seeing TV in the same way that we, we watch Netflix. And actually Netflix is a really good example because they have so many mini stars who mm. are who are famous for one or two shows and then that's it you don't you don't really see them or they or they cross jump between different platforms but you don't see them anywhere else right they are just there on on netflix or or whatever mm. and whereas tv shows everyone just used to congregate and watch mm. certain channels yeah. and therefore that peaked there and and i think that's what's happening for me and, and that's only just been sparked by your discussion then that actually people are then supporting more like the underdog as well, right? So the, would you say there's an element of that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you think about, if you look at, I watch, there's this great show, I think it's on Channel 4, which is about the rise of the reality star. And it starts way back at the beginning when, um, this is it's a UK show, so it, it mainly focuses on the UK journey with American in it as well, so it talks about the Kardashians and stuff, but talks about... Um, pop stars, you know, with Will Young, Gareth Gates, and then the growth of that, which then we moved into X Factor and then Big Brother, and then obviously what happened with Jay Goody and the growth of this reality star, which has then morphed into Love Island and the influencer. And, you know, you can go on Love Island for eight weeks, walk around in a bikini, come out with two, three million followers um, and suddenly be able to sell protein shakes and teeth whitening stuff and make loads of money and give up your day job. Um, and this evolution through this journey. And I think we're always going to peak stuff and we're going to go, we don't want it anymore. That is just how we evolve. And I think you're right. I think the, the, the change of the way that we look at TV, the way that we consume information, we've got so much more choice now. You know, you can go on Netflix, you can choose what you watch. We used to have few channels. Everyone would watch the same thing. Everyone would be the same person. We now have individualism encouraged amongst us. We are celebrated for being individuals. We are encouraged to stand up for what we believe in we encourage to share who we truly you know who we truly are whether that's you know gay straight or you know all of these various things that are much more celebrated in society now and i think we've, we've got the rise of the individual and i think what comes with that is everyone then has their own individual choices so having a one-size-fits-all celebrity to follow all these things just doesn't work really anymore um and I think that's why we are going to see more and more the rise of the normal person, because I think what the reason we got into reality stars at the beginning was because they were real people becoming famous and we were interested in them because they were real. Jade Goody, for example, her journey, um, obviously it's really obviously ended in a very sad way, but her journey, the reason people liked her was because she was real. She was relatable. You'd met people like her. Then we took the reality star and we made them unrelatable. You know, we filled them full of filler and we covered them in filters and we no longer, they were no longer relatable to us anymore. What we deep down want is people that we can follow. We always wanted to follow people. Humans, humans have always wanted to be led. Even leaders want to be led. Um, we're looking for people to follow, but we just haven't had the best people to follow. But that is shifting. 
And now it's micro movements and micro, you know, you've got your, you're, you're able now to have this podcast and run that room and fill it with people that you like your people. And I can do the same and someone else can do the same. And we feel better about ourselves and having to follow certain people, which we cannot relate to don't then make us feel good about who we are. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent makes sense. And we are democratizing the media production. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's what it is. We, we are trying, we're just giving ourselves more people, more options like to follow. To, you know, it is, it's a democratization. In my opinion, that's the movement that we're moving towards. Um, and I think, it's, I think that's so cool. Like the people that I follow on Twitter, like the people that I would say, I don't, the word idolize, I don't like, but I really like, I think they're amazing. Some of these founders that I follow, I'm sure you have people that you think, God, they're amazing. Like you just geek out on the stuff they talk about, which no one else would probably understand because it's just so <laughs> you. And I can tweet them and they reply. Whereas, and those are like my heroes, right? At the moment. Um, whereas, you know, when I was younger and I would look up to, certain famous people or they were so far away we saw them as so much better than us you know like they're better than us I don't think that's the right message to send that these people are better than us because they're famous and they're and then all you hear is that rich and famous people are unhappy so we've all got it wrong it's all not right but I think mm. we're balancing it and that's why for me that's why the message of personal branding is so different to what people see it as because it's just giving people the ability and the confidence, first of all, a lot of what I do with my clients, first of all, is giving them the confidence that people care about what they have to say. Give them the confidence, give them the clarity and give them a platform to be able to start sharing that and building their own little little things in the world. These little people, it's how, it's how we started, right? We all started like that. Everyone was in their own little space all over the world. And then we've grouped together and we've globalized and we've all gone nuts and we're kind of going back down to normal again. People spend more time in their own towns. How much better do you know your own town than you did a year ago? Yeah, that's a very good point. Oh my God, I walk around Farnham now. I'm like, oh, this town is massive because I go on all these new walks and I found all these new places and I'm friends with the postman and the people in the shop, um, in the shops. I'm like, because we, we're bringing things back to local and I think we're just moving away from this like crazy hyped up world that we created. And, um, and that means there's space for every single type of person to connect with every other single type of person. And I think it is a democratization away from CEOs that run massive companies that no one's gonna to wanna to work in anymore. You know, we're seeing that. People don't wanna work in these big companies anymore. You know, people are waking up to the fact that maybe I won't give my whole life to a company that doesn't care anything about me. Maybe I'll go and do something a bit more meaningful where I'm a bit more celebrated, where I'm treated a bit better. Big shift, scary shift for some people, but in my opinion, very exciting shifts. Yeah. we're we're used to disruption, aren't we? Our generation definitely is because there's always disruption. Every, every, every year there's something else that disrupts, um, you know, delivery is a really good example, but coming back to the point about local, uh, people staying local, that's a, that's a really good, um, point because someone said we're almost like the spider generation where we, we hop to, to locations all around the world. Um, and then we come back to our local locality, but we won't go to, you know, Scotland or, or, or down to Cornwall very often. We would stay in our, in our localization, uh, local areas. But that's another term when it comes to business and manufacturing, actually. Um, there was a term that I heard called hyper-localization, mm -hmm. which I love. And that's kind of where we're going, where everything is, you know, we want to buy local, we want to we want to um, socialize locally. We don't want globalization in some respects because one, it can seem quite scary. And actually we haven't found the true benefits of being local. And I think COVID has just accelerated that as long with other things as well. Uh, so I really like that, but uh, right. Amazing topic. So how, how do you um, differentiate between a personal brand and a business brand? I, I, I really want to dive into this because a lot of people can see the two being very similar and also very different in the same time. So the strategies must be different between the two, right? Yes and no. So obviously a business is a business, a new business is an extension of a person. Well, all businesses started as an extension of a person, right? They weren't born. They didn't get dropped down from the sky. They were created by somebody once upon a time, even the, you know, the oldest businesses, they were founded by somebody once upon a time with a set of values and beliefs and things that they wanted to bring to the world. Um, a personal brand is, is a, it is the person, right? It's you as Chris, it's me as Hannah. 
Um, it's what I believe. It's my story. My story is 28 years long. I don't know how um, old you are, but it's your it's the journey which I've gone through that's got me to here. It's the experiences I've had. It's the values that that has then shaped. It's the passions that has. It's the skills that that has. It's much bigger than my business, which is two years old, which has the values which I've given it, which has the story, which it has a two year story. Um, it doesn't have a face because it's not a real thing. It has a logo um, and it's amazing and I love it, but it's not a living thing. It's an extension of something that I created. Um, and the best way to give it context, you know, everyone talks about storytelling because people want context, right? They want to understand things. They want to understand the reason, the story behind businesses. We've got so many options. You know, you pick the one that's got the best content or the one that's got the best values or the one that's got the most sustainable stuff. We want to constantly have context of how we're, of the, of the companies and the things that we engage with. And what gives context to a business is the person behind it or the person within it. Does that make sense? In terms of the processes, um, they're actually very similar. So the processes that we go through when we're looking to build a personal brand is actually very similar than I would take somebody through to build. Because we still build business brands if they are, if we're building the personal brand as well. So we'll build the personal brand and the business that sits behind them. So we will still go through the process of branding and building a business. We've built our own business brand, logos, you know, social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it, the process is, is actually very, very similar. It's just that one is embryonic and one is much, much older and much richer with much more to say. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And I love the fact that you're talking about stories as well. And I think stories are a really key point. Um, if I ever talk about branding, it's about having a story that people can relate to, which is coming back to the thing we were talking about earlier. And I think that's really crucial. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that we understand things in the context of ourselves, you know, we can only, we only see the world through the lens of our own eyes and the businesses that are the most successful are the ones which understand their audience well enough that they can place their products or their services in the context of that person's life. Does that make sense? So the reason that storytelling and all of these things are so important is because it's a way of bringing somebody into your world and contextualizing what you do for them, which we're only going to need to do more and more as our world becomes more and more complex. It's just easier to do it through a personal brand than through a business brand because people, it's easier for someone to connect with. If, if you were going to look at a piece of content or you're going to follow someone online and you could follow, you know, Hannah Power, who's got these interests and these passions and has this stuff and she does these things or a logo, which is products and services, which has a story, but it's still, if I want to tell you that story, I've got to tell it through a person, you would follow the person. It's just more interesting. Well, the, both, the have, both have their own ways of being, but let's be honest, most people are more interested in Elon Musk than they are any of his products. So I think the products have given him a stereotype of being the Iron Man of, of you know, of the world at the moment where he's, he's taking on these, these battles. And I think, so actually I think they've helped his brand more than anything, because I don't think he's particularly inspiring as an individual. I think it's the way he does things and the brands have kind of built him up and they, they've created almost like this, this mountain where he's stood on the top of. Yes. But if you think about the product, so this is Simon Sinek stuff of, you know, you've got your why and then you've got your how, which is the business. Then you've got, which is the products, your how and your what just prove your why. All of those products are just proof of what he believes as a person. Yeah. They are still extensions of his personal brand, his beliefs, the way he sees the world. Our businesses really are extensions. They're, they're the proof. They're the, the tangible way of how we see the world and what we want to bring to the world. And I think that's why entrepreneurship is seen as so sexy and everyone should be doing it. When I actually don't think everybody should. I don't think everybody is an entrepreneur. I think being an entrepreneur is great, but I think it's challenging and I don't think it's for everyone. Um, I, I agree with that. I believe agree. companies should become more entrepreneurial, which is something I've learned from my brother and how I'm building my business, which is very much all of the benefits of being an entrepreneur, but without the, the risk and the stress, which does come from being an entrepreneur. Um, and I think that companies, for example, um, who have employees, um, 
are responsible for putting those employees into roles which they are really passionate about so that they can then want to talk about them and they then build a brand and they represent that business in a positive way so i'm not talking about it only in relation to people who've created their own businesses you could still have a strong personal brand have a passion for a business when i worked at accenture i definitely i had a personal brand which was related to accenture i think you can be a brand ambassador of the business that you work for um, but it's just the person is very different to the business. Both have their merits. I think if you can do both, do both. But I think many, a lot of people misunderestimate the power of a personal brand, which is lifelong. If you sell a business, if you've built your whole brand and reputation around a business and you sell it, you start from scratch. If you build a personal brand alongside building a business brand or it goes bust or whatever, whatever happens to the business or you close it down or you, whatever happens to it. Um, your personal brand is lifelong. It's forever. It's you as a person. It's your journey. It's everything that comes with it. It's not for everyone. But I think for those of us who have something that we really want to say and bring and can do so without all of the fear and all the things which come up that make you think, oh, I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't do that. Um, I think it's an incredible thing. I like that. Really, really like that. So let's get on to the main topic of this um, podcast. And that's kind of the the most important stage is obviously the internet. So how can we use the internet? So let's, let's dive into you as an expert. How can we use the internet to maximize our personal brand? And, and what are the, the most effective platforms to do so? Because obviously some feel more about business branding and others feel more about personal. I, I definitely think the likes of Instagram feels more personalized, but I might be wrong. So please educate me. So first of all, I think it's important to find everyone's find their own formula. I don't really say like, I don't think there's a one size fits all solution for how to build a business or a brand on the internet. Um, I used to kind of think there was, um, but there's not because you have to find something that works for you, that excites you, that, you know, motivates you. Some people would love the thought of writing blogs on Medium and being, you know, not having videos. Some people want to be YouTubers. Some people love the thought of being on Clubhouse. Some people hate it. I think it's about finding the formula that works for you. I think you first will have to, do a lot of digging into yourself, a lot of self-discovery of, you know, what is my what is my mission? Who is my audience? You know, where are they? What do they want to hear? Uh, what's my thing? Um, and then how do I best want to bring that to the world and which platform is going to work best for me? I think the one size fits all thing of saying you have to be on Instagram, you have to be on LinkedIn, you have to be here. It doesn't necessarily work. What is true, no matter what you choose, is that the only way to do it is to fully commit and be relentless on your pursuit of building your brand, of, of creating that content, of putting yourself out there, and you have to just keep going. A lot of people don't do that. That is the difference between the people that succeed and the people that fail. Some people will do it for a couple of months and they will stop. Consistency, um, isn't it? It's that compound interest on over time. It is. And some people will go, oh, it's not worked, so I'm going to stop. And it's like, well, fine, stop. But it's not something that's overnight building a brand you know um coca-cola and i think it's coca-cola and mcdonald's but i could get the wrong brands here they spend more money on advertising brand advertising than any other company in the world you would have thought that they would be able to save that budget for something else based on the fact that everyone in the world knows them they don't brand being forefront of mind and people remembering who you are and what you do um is should be the highest business priority for everyone um so in terms of which platforms to use, it's got to be the platforms that excite you the most. I think it's really important when you're starting out to pick one platform. I think trying to be omnipresent at the beginning is, is really dangerous because I think you dilute your message um, and you end up not really landing really well anywhere. My mum uses a great analogy of pubs. If you're going to move to a new town and there were six, seven pubs, you wouldn't try and smash them all on a Friday night, run in, hi, I'm Hannah, I do this, run out, run onto the next one. You would go to one, you would get to know the people in that one. You would work out what's the right, you know, what's the right outfit to wear? What does everyone drink? What's the nice thing to order? Who's that person or, you know, who's that person you met last week? Once you kind of got everyone, you know, everyone, you might then go to another pub and bring some of those people with you. Um, and I think the platforms need to be thought of in that way. So I think it's about finding one that just really works for you, that your audience are on um get to know it spend time on it feel confident on it and then layer on top of that so how do platform. you find how do you find that platform then what what is it so how, I, how do you work it out so i normally think of it really as like three questions so the first one is which platform do you naturally like we all have opinions about them 
which platform do you think your audience is most on and wants to consume your type of content on? So most people are on every platform, but where is where are they where are they most likely to want to hear your message? Um, and the third thing is what kind of content do you like to create? If you hate the thought of being on video, you can immediately crash, um, smash out, smash off, cross off even uh, TikTok and YouTube off your list. If you hate the thought of doing audio, Clubhouse is gone. If you love the thought of writing, then you know you're going to do well on somewhere like LinkedIn. If you like photos, Instagram. So those are the three questions, I think. Oh. Great questions, actually. I'm going to go away and start doing that for myself because at the moment I'm being very omnipresent. Um, I think the only and one if, that... Sorry, on. carry on. So... No, um, I, was going to say, I think it's really good to be omnipresent, absolutely. But when... To be omnipresent properly, you need it. Like, I, my team do a lot of my, my brand for me. So they do all the scheduling. They'll do a lot of, like, the cropping and cutting and editing of my content to make sure it goes across onto the right platforms. I think it's hard to be omnipresent properly on your own so i think do one well and then get a bit of support in yeah so for me I, i've been very much focusing on the podcast because i know that as a medium this is the one that i'm most suited for i feel uh, it's the one that takes the least amount of time up for me i think everything else because essentially i'm just having a chat and it's my knowledge and I'm, I'm learning you're teaching me about a type of topic and i have lots of guests that do that and so podcasts make a lot of sense for me it's a long-form content that i can then chop up and put into um, smaller content either now or later in the future. So I'm building this library of content that I can share with my listeners. Um, and, and I understand that my listeners are not going to be listening to every single podcast that I do. And therefore, I need to be able to provide value to them in other ways. So whether that's, you know, cheat sheets or um, you know, a digestion of what it is that's been said. So summaries, and some people just like to hear about the entrepreneur and their successes you know people yeah. are going to find the value of listening to you um earlier talking about you know the way you see being an entrepreneur the way you approach relationships the way that that's quite important in terms of mindset and and and, and the fact that your story around anxiety and i think that's building you as a personal brand mm. because people are then engaging with you and say i really like the way that this this person is communicating with me and that they're engaging with you and i think that's what's so crucial about podcasts is that we we find more about a personality rather than this this illusion or i say illusion but it's not it's like a it's like a mask right sometimes that some people put on masks to show themselves to the world and actually i don't think you can do that with a podcast almost no. like you, and that's it's very I hard and that's why I don't like Instagram as a platform. Yes. Because I think it's the masked platform, to use your terms. I think it's still photos, a snapshot of the best snapshot that you can create. It's not real. It doesn't require, I know people write stuff in their captions, but at the end of the day, it's a photo-led platform and you put photos up which are good. Well, it's filters. Right. So they became the platform for filters. Right. That's why everyone flocked to them is that they could apply these filters to make their photos look better. Mm. And so that has created this almost, in my view, toxic environment yeah, around it. And and actually, it's not my favorite platform as a result. And I've never got on with that because I never saw myself as being uber confident and therefore I never aligned with the values of the people that were on there. And I found it made me feel uncomfortable. Whereas the likes of audio or having a chat or having conversations very much align with me better. And therefore, yeah. that's kind of why I've, as a brand, as a person, this is, these are the things. And, and it wasn't until last year that I started to think about a podcast and really engage with that. But I, I looked back and, and, and say, you know, for, for people that might be listening to this in terms of why, how they should adopt certain platforms, for me, it was about, what is it that I would like to portray to the world? And that's just having great conversations and, and giving uh, advice and education. And how can I do that best? Like I said, having a conversation with people who, who would engage with me and we can, we can converse about certain subjects. Yeah, which is great. You know, that's your formula. And I think that's, you know, that's really important that you know you've got the awareness of going, Instagram's not going to be for me. And actually, you know, doing a podcast works better for me. And I think that's what's really important. I think so much of the time we sit in that overwhelmed FOMO state of should I be here? Should I be there? I think Clubhouse really 
brought that out of every, in everyone in January, where everyone was suddenly panicking, like the gold rush, right? And, yeah. Um, and some people that will stay to be their platform. For me, it's not my platform at this stage. Um, so I, I think it's. About- I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one thing about Clubhouse that I find troubling is that you have to be present, and there's no you can't be asynchronous with your content, right? You can't just deliver content and then forget about it and it doesn't have scale, right? You can't scale it on Clubhouse. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, and I think I think what they've done is they've tried to take a, con, you know, try to do the opposite of the other platforms to try something different. So the fact the content isn't stored is part of what their USP actually is. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I think it works for some people. And... I also think, you know, we evolved through the platform. So I used to really like Instagram. Well, I thought I did. I didn't. I just thought that was where I needed to be. I and saw you I deactivated to... yours, didn't you? Oh, well, I still have an account, but I don't, I haven't been on it since August. Okay. I left in, I left in August. Um, okay. Actually, I've been on twice just to check anything like DMs or anything, but I don't use it. I don't go on it. I, I actually find the whole app, the second I open it, I actually didn't go on on my phone. I went on my computer. The whole thing really activates anxiety in me. I really, really, really don't like it as a platform. I really think it's harmful. And in fact, when I, when I went off Instagram in August last year, I got the same reaction from, um, from people as I did when I stopped drinking alcohol, where people be like, oh my God, I bet you feel amazing. I, I had a week off and it was so great. I wish I could do it. And I was so shocked by the reactions from other people about how much they wanted to, um, how much of a negative impact it was having on them, but they weren't able to stop, just like with alcohol. Um, I thought, God, this platform is is really toxic. And um, yeah, I really don't like it. I really am anti it, actually. I'm not actually anti that many things. I try not to be like, I try not to have massive opinions about stuff unless I feel that I really like can back them up. I just, I'm just not a massively opinionated person unless I really care about something, but I actually think the world would be a much better place without Instagram. Much, much better place. That's really interesting. Okay. I like that. And um, I kind of wanted to hear your opinion on, on that. And we kind of dived into some of that earlier, didn't we? But uh, I'm glad you um, you kind of cleared that up for me anyway, why, <laughs> why you did it. So uh, I was, I was very curious. Um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, so what are your three personal brand quick wins? Now let's wrap up the show and, and what's your quick wins? So quick wins is, 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 is this for the audience? Yeah. For, to, to listen. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so if you were going to uh, help them uh, with their personal branding, what are the yeah. three quick wins that you can give them? The first thing is to really identify the why, why you want to do it. What is the vision of the world? And I don't mean why in terms of, oh, I want to do it because I want to get a new job or I want to build my business. What is your vision of the world? What would you like the world to look like? What is your view of how the world should be? Some of the things I've shared in this session, this call, this call, sorry, this podcast, this interview is about um, the way that I see the world, the way that the impact that I want to have in the world, the little mark, the little dent to use um, Steve Jobs's term of that I want to leave in the world. So the first thing is, is the why, what's your real core motivator? And that will also help you get out of bed in that earlier question, if you're driven by that. The next thing is, what is your one, think about what is your one thing? And I know the word niche is used a lot. And I think niching can really stress people out. Your niche doesn't have to be as black and white as I do this for this industry, this service in this industry. You can create whatever niche you want. It's about the thing that you put everything under. Um, so personal branding is my thing. I have so many other interests that sit under that, which actually all equate into personal branding. I could talk about mindset. I can talk about fear. I can talk about time management. I can talk about whatever under the one thing of personal branding that gives context, that gives people an anchor of, oh, Hannah Power, she does that. You know, one thing. The next thing would be thinking about who is the audience that you you want to be listening to you? What do you want them to be leaving with? What do they need to hear? And don't, again, it doesn't have to be as linear as this demographic, this, this, this age sat in this location with this education, could be looking at more around the psychographics of, you know, what are their goals and motivations? What are their pain points? What are their values? Um, and I think answering those three questions first, those are what I call the foundations of your brand 
the rest of it starts to kind of filter over that. But those are things that we don't do. And we go, oh, I've got to be on Twitter. I've got to be on Clubhouse. But actually, without having real clarity on those three things first, what you really believe and why you're doing it, what your one thing is and who you're who you're speaking to, without doing that, you're just adding to the noise. I like those quick wins. Thank you for that. So if people wanted to go away and learn about personal branding, where can they go to find this material? How can they how can they learn a bit more? So um, I'm going to give you the new URLs because probably by the time it's gone live, our new websites will be up. So hannahpower.com is me. Um, powerfulleaders.co is the business. If you want to take your, find out what your personal brand score is, powerfulleaders.co slash scorecard. We've got like a little scorecard and you can kind of answer some of those questions I've just asked. You get an overall score and then some like guidance on how to improve your score and what to do. Um, or follow me on Twitter. Twitter's my favorite, Hannah I Power. And that's, and they can um, contact you as well via that. Yeah. On Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's Twitter's great. My favorite platform. Is it? Okay. Well, I'll have to um, follow you on Twitter if I don't it's already. It's new. It's 2021. It's just the, I just think it's the best platform of all. Now I get it. I didn't get it before. You have to get it. And then when you get it, you're like, oh, I get it. We're going to have to dive into that. What, what would you mean? I think I just never, you've got to use it. You can't just, the difference between, so the difference in social media is people that consume and people that create. It's very hard to actually understand a platform until you create on it. And I have created on Instagram, I've created on um, LinkedIn, I've created on YouTube, for example, I had never probably created on LinkedIn, on, on Twitter even. I'd never actually engaged in conversations or really understood the people on the platform and the value of short little bits of nuggets of information and how much you can actually learn in that way. And for somebody like me, I long videos over a minute, can't cope with them. Blogs over like a couple of words, can't cope. I need short, sharp bits of information. Also the ability to basically connect with people that you don't know it lowers the barriers of accessibility of, um, of entry or it makes people more accessible. Um, you can connect with anyone, you can make friends with anyone. And for me, there's my people um, hang out on there the most, which that's what this is all about, right? Finding your people. Yeah, so Twitter's never been a thing that I naturally navigated to, but I understand what you mean. It's that it's almost like the quick wins that I, I provide. It's like nuggets of information where you have to be concise in the information you're portraying and mm. therefore you have to be almost smart about it. And, and that's the thing exactly. you can get, there's, there's an impact there in one sentence. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's the thing. And, and I'm, I was trying to get you to, to describe that. And I think you did, um, is that, that there's an impact. Um, you can have as much impact in one sentence than a whole paragraph. In fact, more so. Yeah, and if you can actually do it in a sentence or in a couple of sentences, um, yeah, I think it's amazing to be able to actually get your message into that. And I think it's about what I, I like platforms, which are about what you have to say, not what you look like or any of that, what you have to say. And I think platforms like Clubhouse and Twitter expose people that really have something to say and people that are just really good at looking like they have something to say. Mm um when you can't hide behind on twitter you can't hide behind you can obviously upload photos but it's not about photos you can't you can't hide behind those kinds of things um do you know i i go through waves all the time with social media even doing the job that i do where i go oh my god i hate it all i want it all to go even doing what i do which i think people would be the people think oh, i love social media i do love what it's supposed to be there for it's social media i love the fact that it takes the power out of the big broadcasters i love the fact that it's anyone in the world can do it i love that it connect people all over the world i think that the the true reason it was created i love i think what it's become sometimes i cannot stand a lot of the time even i cannot stand i think it makes my skin crawl but with twitter i think it stayed relatively true to what it's actually was supposed to be originally for and I think it exposes people that are good and bad much quicker than the other platforms. And, and and this is probably why it's going to have a revival. I think especially after the likes of Clubhouse, I think there could be a revival in, in Twitter or the perception of it anyway. Mm. So anyway, that's it. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Chris. That was really good. Do 
also hate Instagram? I think Hannah made a very impactful statement that Instagram is the embodiment of the fake side of social media. But what did you think of Hannah's quick win questions to help you understand your personal brand? Quick win number one, what is your why or otherwise known as your core motivator? And you could do this by answering the question, what is the impact I want to have on the world? Quick win number two, what is your niche? And this helps you subcategorize other topics in the context of your niche. And quick win number three, who is the audience you want listening to you? And this could be demographic or psychographic. But what was your favorite bit of the show? You can tell me on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, where you can find me with at Hair Digital. And remember, there are several other podcasts available to listen to which you can find on apple Podcasts, spotify and youtube and whilst you're there i'll be so grateful if you can subscribe and write a review but until next time i'm your quick win ceo signing out